0: about and i appreciate so much uh brother campbell and his wife and jack uh coming to be with us I had to throw jack in there and uh jack and jack can put it away now jack can, he's a he's a big eater i'm telling you and uh jack i was impressed a while ago i'm just i'm just gonna shoot straight with you but uh <clears throat> but anyway what a blessing these folks are and i'm looking forward uh to uh, tonight tomorrow night wednesday night you know meetings like this you look forward to them for so long and if you're not careful, uh, they, man, just, they just come and go so quickly. Uh, but I want you to get everything that you can while uh, Brother Campbell's here. I want you to sit up straight and uh, get your Bibles ready and your hearts open to, and attend to what the Lord has for you. Uh, Brother Campbell, you come preach to us. Amen. Thanks so much. Well, good evening. Thank you very much. Great to be back again today. How many are glad to see the sunshine today? is that a blessing? Amen. And uh, some of you kids, now you kind of look like you're still praying for a little snow. Oh my goodness, parents, please have a talk with them. Amen. And uh, well, praise the Lord, so good. It's enjoying being here, and and uh, we sure enjoyed yesterday. I tell you, I was just uh, got up early this morning and rejoicing, praising God. I think uh, Brother Peck mentioned nine, ten, maybe eleven, twelve say throughout the whole ministry here yesterday. And uh, that's a good day, and uh, any day somebody gets saved, their life is given to the Lord. Uh, That's enough to praise the Lord about, and uh, what a blessing, and uh, glad to be here with you again tonight. Appreciate the pastor, and enjoyed being able to spend some time with them, and then uh, uh, just kind of catch up a little bit. Uh, We've known each other probably for, you know, I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight years, but... It was only in the last probably four and a half, five years that we kind of got to know each other, got a little close, and, and uh, just, I sure love him and his family, and I know you do, and uh, any church has a good man of God, I like you do, and, and, uh, and have had here, I just, I know you're thankful for it, praise the Lord for it, and uh, it's a blessing. I'll be honest, in the last two to three months, uh, it is amazing the phone calls that we have received. Uh, and, and churches that are without a pastor right now. And a Brother Campbell, could you fill in a Sunday for us? And you could. Then another church calls. Then another church calls. And I thought, wow, how sad it is. And uh, around America, I heard, uh, I, I'm not quite sure who it was, but I heard a preacher say uh, not long ago that in the state of North Dakota that there are 1,200 church buildings sitting empty tonight. And uh, that, that's tragic. That's sad. That shouldn't be anywhere in America. You know, we were out in Seattle for 15 years, and uh, really uh, Marysville was the town we were at. It's Seattle, uh, Linwood, Everett, Marysville. That's where we were at, just north, 72 miles south of the Canadian border. And uh, when we went there, we established the only independent church in in that town ever known. And uh, it was exciting for the people. And I couldn't wait to get out in the neighborhoods and knock on doors and tell them brand new church is coming. And, of course, everybody would say, where are you from with that accent, you know? And I got that so many times that our family did. Everywhere we go out to eat, where are you from? And I'd say, South Seattle. And and, uh, that really didn't go over very well. But uh, uh, they knew They said, South somewhere, probably Texas. I said, no, Texas, they talk like this. And uh, I said, no, not Texas. Tennessee. I said, no, they're real giddy down in Tennessee. And I said, no, that's not it, it. Georgia. No, I said, that's not Georgia. North Carolina. And uh, they said, what's a Tar Heel? I said, when you can find that out, you let me know. Amen. But uh, it's a, we had a blast out there. Sad story. I'll be back out there this year in December because the church that we started, it's the 20-year anniversary. And uh, they've asked me to come out and be there for a week. And um, it's, it's fun to go back, but I'll tell you, it's hard to go back. And it's hard to walk into that door and, and knowing this, this is where I, I thought I'd be the rest of my life. And, uh, but again, uh, I want to be in God's will. And I, I know I'm right where God wants me to be. But in the city limits of Seattle, about 980,000 people in the city limits Tonight, there's not one independent, fundamental gospel preaching church in Seattle. That's a shame. And uh, I just, uh, my heart breaks. Uh, There's a lot of people in that area that are going to die without Christ and go to hell. And I think about how many, not only individuals, but I think about homes that will have children grow up and will never hear the gospel. You know, we're pretty blessed, aren't we? And, uh, boy, what, a, what an honor we have to uh, have what we have, and I praise God for it. And it's so good to see you here tonight. Great crowd on Monday night, and a good singing tonight, good fellowship, good smiles. And thank you, brother, for the special. I appreciate that tonight. How many worked on your whistling today? Oh, wow, we got some of that did. <clears throat> All right. Twenty-five dollars an hour. I'm giving whistling lessons tonight at the table. All right, you see, and uh, no, it's uh I, when I say something about that, every church I'll have mostly children come up. But recently I've had a lot of adults, and I had a lady at the Sun where my where my son goes to church back in North Carolina, and uh, she came up not long ago. I went back and preached there for a couples retreat or a couples service, and and uh, she said, Brother Campbell, watch this. And I mean, she had uh, two babies in her hands, and she just went. I said, you got it, I'm proud of you, that is great. She said, I've worked on that ever since you was here at church. And, and, uh, and I said, wow, we need a revival of whistlers, amen. And uh, so uh, what a blessing tonight, thank you. Well, let's take your Bibles tonight, First Kings, and I'm sorry, Second Kings chapter 20. And uh, if you'll turn there tonight, 2 Kings chapter number 20. And uh, I'll say a little bit more about the table. We have some CDs back there, some DVDs. Uh, Someone asked me if one of the DVDs uh, is whenever I was uh, preaching in pain. And I think two or three of those back there are. And uh, if you know somebody's going through a trial or going through a difficulty, maybe a little depression, and, uh, just, just not handling their trial well, I have found that if you could put something in their hand, that might be sometimes the best thing you can do. And I'm not saying that just to sell some CDs. Because uh, I know what it's like sometimes if you go into trials and you know somebody's going through trials, I don't always know what to say. You know, if I've never been through what they're going through. Uh, we were in California uh, back uh, this past year and uh, preached at a church there. And we were doing a question and answer session. And I said, uh, pastor said, can we do that? And I said, sure, we'd love that. And he said, I'd like my people to ask some questions about some of the trials they're going through. Maybe uh, could pick your mind about it. And I said, hey, we're well, glad to do it. We've done quite a few of those. And, and I don't know if any of you know Evangelist John Bishop. Uh, he had spinal meningitis and just went through a tremendous trial, still going through it. And uh, we kind of teamed up a lot and done a lot of meetings together. This coming Sunday down in Cleveland, Tennessee, we'll be there together. But uh, we were there doing a question and answer session. I'll never forget this. Gentleman stood up in the back and he said, Brother Campbell, and he just almost began to break down immediately. And he said, um, what could you tell my wife and I? on how can we get the trial that we've been going through out of our mind just so we can go to sleep at night. And the trial that they were going through is that they lost their 19-year-old son on a youth activity at their church. 36 of their kids had loaded up the bus and went up and was door knocking for a brand new church to start. And they were finishing up. They were, had a great weekend. Church got off the ground. They loaded up. They were driving back to Central California where they were. Some of the kids had never seen the Pacific Ocean, so they stopped by the ocean there, and they were throwing some rocks out and skipping some rocks. And if you're Washington, Oregon, there's there's no beach. It's not like East Coast beaches. It's just it's just cliffs. And. Uh, <clears throat> Some of the kids got out there, a lot of moss on those rocks, slippery, and they got in there. Well, a couple of those kids slipped into the rocks. It was only knee deep. And uh, this boy, 19, he knew how to swim, and those two boys did not. And he saw them going under and scared them to death. So he jumped in there to help them get them back up on the rocks. And when he set the last boy up on a rock, an undertow sucked him out. And uh, to this day, they've never found him. And that man was asking me, and I'll tell you, I, if you ever felt helpless, boy, what, what do I say? I've never lost a child. I don't know what that's like. And I pray that I never do. And I'm sure you would pray the same thing. And uh, wow, I was in a church recently in North Carolina. and I preached there and uh, uh, a gentleman probably late 60s, maybe 70, came up after it was over and and uh, walked up and she said, Brother Campbell, could I have just a few minutes of time with you? I don't think I have it with me. I think I have it on my desk at home. He said, uh, He handed me a little picture. And he said, This is my 13 uh, year old granddaughter. And uh, beautiful little girl. And he said, I-, I just wondered if I could put her picture in your hand, would you just pray for her? And he said, She's going through a trial. Our family's going through a trial. And I said, You got it, absolutely. I would love to pray for anybody going through a trial. God has really oppressed my wife and I's heart. People are going through trials. And I took that picture and I said, well, sir, uh, is there anything about the trial you can tell me? And he said, well, he said, she hasn't had the best home life. Uh, My son, he's out of church, his wife, they've kind of been having marital problems. And he said, for two years, she's just gone into high school and uh, her first year's there. And he said, she has been bullied. She's been made fun of. And he said, right now she's in the hospital. We don't know if she's going to make it. He said, but just seven days ago, she tried to take her own life. 13 years old. And I thought again, what do you say? And uh, but I say all that, sometimes I have found when I don't know what to say or in fear that I might say what I shouldn't say, uh, I just say, could I put something in your hand that might be a help to you? And I've found that to be a help, whether it's some materials or, you know, a, a preaching CD or something. And uh, so anyway, if those could be a help to you, and uh, my wife has some back there as well, and, and it'd be a blessing. Let's stand tonight. If we can, we'll read some scriptures here. beginning in verse number 1, and in second Kings chapter number 20, it says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, or the preacher, that's Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall, and he did what I think all of us would, uh, would uh, earnestly begin to do, especially if we had not been doing it. He prayed unto the Lord. And he said these words, verse 3. I beseech thee, or I beg you, I plead with thee, Lord. uh, Remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore, and rightly so. And it came to pass before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court That the word of the Lord came unto him, saying. Now, Isaiah came in to make a pastoral visit. Now, your pastor called this morning to talk. And he was telling me that he and a deacon were in the hospital visiting. Now, that's what pastors do. That's what God's people do. We encourage one another. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens. And this is what Isaiah is doing. I call he's making a house call. Heard about Isaiah, Hezekiah. Wow, he's sick. Doesn't look good. Doctor said, you're going to die. And uh, he was there, and he uh, talked to him a little bit, and he went out. He hadn't even got from the front door to the middle of the garden there, and God spoke to the man of God. And he turns right back around and goes and gives Hezekiah the message. And notice what it says in verse number 5. Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people. Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears behold I will heal thee on the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord and I will add unto thy days fifteen years and I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and I will defend this city for mine own sake and I'm going to stop right there tonight Uh, would everybody agree I would say that Hezekiah was a happy man that's good news wasn't it I mean where did good news come from God and what did God say hey I heard your prayer I saw your tears in other words I know it's real I know it's from your heart but it all starts with what we find in verse number one he did what he was commanded to do he set things in order and Lord we need a revival of making sure that our lives our marriages our homes and our families are in order Because I see here, as you do, when things are in order, guess what? God moves. And wow, do we need a moving of God. Well, let's pray. Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to preach again. What a great turnout here on Monday night. I just praise you for God's people. And uh, I just believe that's because there's people here tonight that are real. And I believe they really want to hear from heaven, and they're like myself, I know, and the pastor, we want to make sure things are in order in our life, because God, we cannot afford to not be where we need to be in our lives right now and not hear from heaven. So Lord, speak to our hearts tonight, encourage us, and Lord, if there's anything in our heart and our life, and I mean in mine as well, Lord, would you reveal it tonight so we might be able to deal with that. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so very much. And I'll eat my water over here if I can. Uh, I I love preaching about Hezekiah. And uh, it's been a little while since I had talked about him. But I I think about how Hezekiah felt. You put yourself in his shoes. And and I know a little bit of what it's like. I've never gone to a doctor. And the doctor told me that I'm going to die. But I did read the Bible one day. And the Bible told me I'm going to die. Hebrews 9, 27, And is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Now, I want to avoid that if I can, because the only way to avoid it is to be raptured out of here with the church. Anybody rather go by the way of the rapture, rather the way of the grave? Boy, I'd rather go that way. I mean, I just, I want to be living. I want to see it. Now, it's going to be so fast, I'm not sure what we'll see. I mean, it's over. But, hey, I'd still like to experience that. I mean, it was just, man, just thinking about it. But Hezekiah had this uh, sentence, it's almost like came into his life. And, and the first thing that he did is he, he just turned his heart to God and said, Oh, God, I, I, I'm willing to do what you want. I, I want to fix things. I want to get my life in order. I want to get my heart right. I want to set my home in order. And, and wow, if there's one thing, and I'm sure you would agree with me, uh, whoever wins the next election as the president of America is not going to bring about revival in America. Right. It's not even going to fix our country. Right. I believe what is going to do more to fix our country in, than anything in, in America history is if homes like are represented in this church right here tonight would get just as close to God as we can, I believe that's the, only, that's the only hope for our nation. That's the only hope for the next generation. That's the hope for my children, your children. And I so want my children to grow up. And, and, and I, yeah, I have 128, but I have 110 still coming up. And, and and I want him to be able to grow up and him to look back as I've been able to do and think about when I was eight years old, a dear saint of God came to our Christian school chapel one day. Dr. Fred Brown, he led some of the music for Dr. Lee Robertson in Highland Park for many years and he preached in chapel on hell that day. And as an eight year old boy, I heard the gospel that day, convicted me and wow I got saved that day. That changed my life. My name got recorded in the book of life. And, and wow, for the first first. first time in my life I had joy, I had victory and joy, was exciting. And I can remember the week that Dr. Lester Roloff came to our church and brought the Rebecca Girls Choir and they sang. And I remember looking at our church and I remember saying to my dad who was an usher for all those years, dad, I have never seen so many people in our church in all my life. Now that's what our kids ought to grow up with that kind of a heritage And I'm glad that I grew up with that. I never ever in my life as a little boy growing up in the Campbell home, ever got up on a Sunday morning and had to say, Dad, what are we doing today? I already knew what we were doing on Sunday. I mean, I knew we were going to the house of God. I didn't know there was anything else to do on Sunday except go to church. I mean, we loved it. I mean, it was exciting for us. And boy, I'll tell you what, the older I get, the longer I live, I want to see those kind of days come back again. And I want to see our churches be revived. But our churches cannot have revival until our homes have revival. And our families experience revival. And I'm not just talking about one in each home. I'm talking about man, woman, boy, girl. I mean, everybody. And Well, you say, is it possible? It is possible. I'll tell you, it's sad today in America. We have more technology than we've ever had in our country. And I believe we're less spiritual today than we've ever been. We have more opportunities to, I mean, have, and I'm not against technology, I think technology can be a great tool, but I'm right now not seeing much technology that's doing much to help us become more where we ought to be as Christians and, and bringing about revival. And, and again, I'm not against that, but I'm just saying, hey, whatever it is, can you imagine what they did on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 people got saved that day. That's just the people that got saved. There's, it's untold how many thousands were there. I'd love to have been one of the teenage kids. Brother Peck went home that Sunday after church. Wow, Mom, what a service we had. I mean, I saw a whole family got saved today. I saw that dad and then the mom followed, then their children. Wow, Mom, that was exciting. That was good. And guess what? They didn't have emails. They didn't have text messages. Hey, can you imagine if they had that, what could have happened maybe? But I'm just telling you, if we're relying on those kind of things today, that's not what's going to bring about revival. And so I I want to talk to you a little bit about this tonight. Uh, We we must bring order. I I looked at that line. Let's look at it again in verse number one. It said, uh, when when the sickness came in his life, uh, wow, God said these words by the preacher, the prophet Isaiah. He said, Isaiah, I want you to go to Hezekiah, and I want you to be just frank with him. I want you to be abrupt with him. And, and by the way, that's the kind of preaching we need today, folks, you know. And, and that's, I know your preacher preaches that way. Your former pastor did. And, and wow, that's what we need in America. And, and wow, we need some preaching that's just going to be right down the line. The straight truth of God's word. And, and, and so he went in there. He said, I want you to tell Hezekiah just like it is. Black and white. Cut to the chase. Hezekiah, set yourself in order. Do you notice the preacher never asked him why he was sick? What brought this on? Why are you in this shape? You know, a lot of times we're not careful. <clears throat> As I said a while ago, we sometimes can say the exact wrong things. I've heard people say this, it is not true, not one else. Well, I wonder if they're sick because of certain sins. Oh, folks, that's not Bible. And none of us should ever go there. That's not our area. That's not our expertise. We shouldn't look at anybody when they're going through a trial and say, wow, I wonder what they did. Oh, I bet that teenage son that went wayward. Stay out of that. That's God's job. That's God's business. Let God do what he can do better than we could ever think about doing. But Isaiah went to the house and he said, Hezekiah, I'm just here to tell you what God said. And don't get mad at the preacher. Amen. Amen. If the preacher tells you what God said, I mean, it's the truth. And you say, wow, has it hurt? Oh, yeah. Man, I've had my toes crushed before, I've had my shoulders crushed, I've had my head crushed before by the preaching. I've had times when I was in preaching, I wish the preacher would have stopped 20 minutes earlier so I could get to the altar. I can't take anymore. Wow, woe is me, I am undone. I, wow, this is amazing. And boy, I'll tell you, every time I go to altar and I get right with God and I lay it on the altar, when I get up and leave, wow, that felt good. Amen. Oh, Phil! I thank God for conviction. Man, conviction is one of the best friends we could ever have. Well, <clears throat> he went into the household, but I want us to look at some things here that, <clears throat> uh, that, that means. I looked at this word, Order. Order. I, I know we probably know this, but order just means uh, proper arrangements. Uh, set some things in proper arrangement. Uh, put things in priority scale of importance. Put them where they need to be. Uh, it, it, it means uh, uh, to have harmony. Uh, uh, you know, you. Uh, a piano, where's the pianist tonight? The organist uh, over here. Uh, you can tell when that organ's out of tune, can't you? You can tell when that organ's out of tune, can't you? That one's It doesn't go <laughs> out. You're not helping me, brother. <laughs> well, glory to God. <laughs> Praise God. Now, if we could have a body like that, amen, we will one day, amen. Scratch that illustration out, amen. <laughs> Piano player, where are you? <laughs> You can tell when that thing's out of tune, can't you? Praise God for you. Wow. (laughs) Amen. All right. Hey, harmony in the home. Amen. By the way, mom, dad, children, we can tell when our home's out of order. We can tell when there's not harmony. I'll tell you who else can tell, too. The devil. Boy, when that order and arrangement and harmony is not where it needs to be, Devil, I, I saw a little door. I think I can pay some visits here. I think, and you must understand this, we ought to have a plan as I preached yesterday because I can tell you why the devil always has a plan. He's had a plan ever since he was kicked out of heaven. and it came to earth and it says in Revelation 12, Woe be unto the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down unto you. When he got kicked out that fast, he had a plan. And his plan was to attack, not God's creation, a home. And he attacked the first home that God put together. That's why it's so important that our homes have a plan of attack. That's why we need harmony. That's why we need some arrangement. And, 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 and you know, think with me tonight. If, if we were to go to our homes tonight, and I know you've heard this, Lord was to come back. Would, would he be pleased with what he found in our homes? Would things be in the proper order? Would things be where they need to be? Uh, have we worked preventatively to try to get that? That's what it means, set thine house in order, proper arranging of things. And, 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 you know, we, don't never like, we never like accidents to happen. And God forbid those kind of things happen. But, uh, I mean, it, it, it is reality. And when sometimes things happen out of our control and, and things happen, and uh, Lord forbid, I, my wife and I, we pray we both go out in the rapture. We want to grow old. We want to see our kids grow up. We want to have grandkids. We want to serve God. And, and we just want to be faithful unto death. And, and But if, God forbid, if something was to happen to my wife and I, we didn't make it off of this trip, my son back home, I would so hope that we've tried to live life in such an order that if he had to go into our house, he would know where things are. Proper arrangement of things. You know, you can't get a death certificate without a birth certificate. Where is it? Social security card. Where, where are those things? Now, I know it's, a, well, it's never thought about like that. Setting proper things in order. I mean, just, you just have to have. Where's financial records? If they were to come into our house, uh, would they be able to access our bank accounts? Would they know the PIN numbers? Would they know the passwords? And, and you know, uh, that's where we're at in America today. But, I mean, seriously, we got to stop and think about these things. And, and, and the devil's thinking about those kind of things. And, and wow, we've got to have a proper arrangement of things. And, and as I said, said, God forbid those happen. Folks, if we had a fire in our home while we're at a service tonight, or if we go home tonight, 3 in the morning, and a fire breaks out, boy, we sure want them fire alarms to work, don't we? If you're in a church, we sure want them sprinklers to work. You see, we expect some things to happen when tragedies like that happen. But the sad thing, sometimes when trials and events hit in our life... We have not done the proper maintaining of things. And then, wow, all of a sudden life's out of kilter. We don't know what to do. And everybody in the home is on a different page. That means we're out of harmony. And so, boy, it was so important that we understand what he was talking about. Now, I'm going to give you three thoughts here tonight. But let me just show you some things here. I was kind of curious on dealing with sickness. Why was Hezekiah sick? I don't know if you've ever studied this out, but I want to just share you some things that I started. Let's go back here a little bit, and let's just kind of find out. Uh, Because Hezekiah was giving a warning by God. Would you agree? Get things in order. You're going to die. And so the preacher came in and told him, but why was Hezekiah sick? And I just kind of notice some things. And, and I can't tie everything back to that and say, this is exactly, I know why he's sick, because it doesn't say. But I just think there's some things that Scripture gives us that kind of leads up to it. And so let's go back here and look. And uh, let's go back to, uh, uh, we started in chapter 20, and, and uh, let's go back to chapter 19. And uh, let's look at verse number 1. Just uh, real quickly here, and just some observations, and I'll give you this uh, short outline. It it won't be the long message tonight. It says in verse 1, chapter 19, And it came to pass, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. Now notice, what caused, it seems like, would you agree, he's kind of like maybe in a panic mode? There's some serious news just there. Now it doesn't tell us what he heard, did it? How many have ever heard some news and it upset you? Wow, isn't that amazing? You ever get a phone call? Wow, oh my goodness, my life just changed. You know, when I was in uh, Kentucky and I had the heart attack, and uh, I don't even remember my wife, but my son Isaac was back home in church. He had no clue that morning. But my wife had to call, and then she called our parents and told them. And, and wow, I, I'm sure they told us later that it just, it's, my son said, that that just, it floored me. It scared me to death. He had to get in the car and drive six, seven hours to try to be where we're at. And I mean, when they came in and told me, uh, uh, they never would, when I was having the heart attack, they came in the emergency room and I'm laying there on the bed, uh, brother, brother Dale, and I would ask them, I'd say, could you just please tell me what, what are you finding? What's going on? And they'd say, "Brother, Mr. Campbell, they'd say, Brother, they'd say, Mr. Campbell, uh, we don't want you to worry about a thing. Please try to be as calm as you can. We're gonna give you some medicine for the pain and uh, you're in good hands. Could you tell me what's wrong with me? They would never tell me anything. I mean, they wouldn't tell me anything. Would somebody please tell me something? And they'd come back a few minutes later. I'd say, could you tell me now? You looked at the page, What does it say? Am I okay? What's going on? And then when the doctor came and said, uh, a nurse, uh, we're going to get Mr. Campbell on a helicopter. They're eight miles out. We're going to have to fly him to University of Kentucky Hospital in Louisville. I said, ma'am, could you tell me what's wrong? And she kept saying, Mr. Campbell, don't you worry about a thing. And I'm like, you lay here on this bed and say not worry about a thing. You yeah, let me be in your shoes and let's turn the thing around here. You know what I'm saying? He just heard something. That's why it's so wise of us to be careful what we say to people. We could say things to our spouses and not even realize, but wow, we've just maybe sent them in a a time of panic. Now, let's let's go back. I started reading some things here. So we know, wouldn't you agree, he heard something, upset him. And it upset him so much he rent his clothes. And, and that was just the way that they, they did. They, they, they uncovered themselves. But sackcloth, that was just a customary procedure of things to do. And so uh, <clears throat> if you'll go down to uh, verse 3. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy. And wow, all these things that, that are going on in his life. But let's go back to chapter 18. I dug back a little further, and I was reading here this morning, and I said, I want to find out a little bit more. What did he hear? What did he hear? And so look with me in verse number 19 of chapter 18. <clears throat> it says here, and Rabshakeh said unto them, speaking out now to Hezekiah. This is what I want you to tell him. So we heard chapter 19, verse 1, what upsetting? He heard something. All right, now we have the conversation where it points back and says, hey, will not you go tell Hezekiah this? All right, let's notice what it says. And he said, go tell the king. Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria. What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Then he goes on, verse 20. Thou sayest, but they are but vain words. Hezekiah is talking about I, And he goes, the king, uh, Sennacherib, this king here, the king of Assyria, uh, uh, says to him, I have counsel and strength for the war. Now on whom dost thou trust? Don't you notice now somebody's trying to put doubt in Hezekiah's mind. And it upset him. And then it goes on. And it says, uh, uh, verse number 21. Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt, on which if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and all that trust on him. They're now liking him and his trust in God to what the people did in Egypt in trusting Pharaoh. They're trying to make his God belittled and look like Pharaoh. And now, notice the news. Now, look at verse 22. But if you say unto me, We trust in the Lord our God, is not that He whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah had taken away? Now they've gone to the people under King Hezekiah's leadership. Folks, don't you realize King Hezekiah is the king that tore down all your idols, he burned up your groves. And he's trying to tell you to trust in God. I tell you what you do. Let me just say, why don't you find out who you're to trust yourself? But stop listening. Don't listen to King Hezekiah. Now, wow, if somebody came into your home tonight and tried to tell your kids, don't believe in that God that your dad and mom preaches to you about. Would that upset you? That would upset me. In fact, I don't want somebody coming into my home and tell my kids anything against what my wife and I are trying to train them up in the administration of the Lord. But I'll tell you what, we let it happen on our television. We let it happen all the time uh, on the internet. And the devil has found these little... Holes where he can get in and trying to belittle our country and our God. Folks, in America, I've never seen such onslaught of the devil and his angels trying to get his way into our good, godly homes and destroy them and to try to turn our own children against their own moms and dads. And boy, that's why I set our houses in order. And we think, wow, where is this getting in? I had a family come to me in my church when I was pastoring. And they came in after so They said, Pastor, could we see you on Sunday night after the service? I said, You bet you can. They had a 12, 13 year old daughter that they brought into my office. And they said, Pastor, we are just so upset. We just don't really know what to happen. And they said, Could honey let me have your phone? And they had the little girl. They, she handed mom and dad the phone. And they said, Pastor, this came on our daughter's phone today. We put guards on that thing. We put securities on it. We have no idea how that came. And he said, look at this. And it was awful. It was ungodly. 12, 13-year-old girl. And it was sent by one of the peers at the school. And she was not in her because She was in a public school. And they were just beside themselves. Rightly so, they should have been. Hey, that's my child there. You know, I've worked hard to seclude my child from seeing that kind of junk. And I don't want somehow it getting in there. But here was the thing. The dad and the mom then looked at me and then said, Preacher, we don't know what to do. Should we take the phone for 10 days? I said, "Um, let me ask you a question. Are you asking for my counsel? Just, I want to get that first. Because if you're not, then I probably shouldn't share it with you because most likely you're not going to take what I give you. And they said, By all means, Pastor, please tell us. I said, Dad, do you own a shotgun? Uh, yeah. I said, i tell you what I think I would do. I would take that thing out in the backyard and put it down by the stump and I'd bring my whole family out there and we'd have a little service. And I'd just get a 12 gauge and I'd just blow the smithereens out of that thing. And the dad looked at me and he said, but pastor, do you realize how much they cost? Folks, I'll tell you, that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. TO DEFEND WHAT HE'S JUST TRIED TO DESTROY. IS IT ANY WONDER WHY HEZEKIAH WAS UPSET? THE KING, Sennacherib CAME IN UNDER HEZEKIAH'S LEADERSHIP. HE HAD NO RIGHT COMING OVER INTO HIS KINGDOM TRYING TO TELL HIS PEOPLE HOW THEY OUGHT TO LIVE. HERE'S KING HEZEKIAH. HE GOT HIS PEOPLE AROUND and SAID, FOLKS, WE DON'T NEED IDOLS ANYMORE. WE HAVE THE ONE TRUE GOD. WE NEED TO GET RID OF THAT GARBAGE. WE'RE GOING TO SERVE THE KING OF KINGS. And the Lord of lords and the people said, we like the Hezekiah, we agree. And so somehow word got out that that happened. And old Sennacherib, he didn't like that. So he comes in and he starts questioning Hezekiah's leadership. And then he starts questioning the people. And look at this verse, verse 22 again. But if you say unto me, we trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah taken away and has said to Judah and Jerusalem, Ye shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now therefore, I pray thee, give pledges to my Lord, the king of Assyria. Folks, don't serve Hezekiah anymore. Serve King of Assyria again. That's wicked. But it's going on in America every single day. You say, well, now, Brother Campbell, that's that maybe is a little bit stern to tell them. Folks, I just believe that if something is going to destroy something that I dearly love and have worked hard to guard, I believe when God said, utterly destroy the enemy, I believe that means just don't take it and put it in a closet for 30 days. I mean, I believe that means just <coughs> utterly destroy it. And all of us should. If we can't control it, this, the computer, what the music we listen to, what comes in on the television, folks, I mean utterly destroy it because the devil's going to find his way to get in there. Yep. And, boy, we've got to set thine house in order. Where'd that come from? That wasn't man's idea. By the way, that was God's idea. Right. It wasn't man's thoughts. It was God's thoughts. And we need to take heed that things are set in order. When I looked at this and I thought, wow, he went to the people. He bypassed that. And moms and dads, if we're not careful, that same thing's going to happen to our children. Right. That's why when I was a boy in church, and this is just how I was raised. I was raised an old-fashioned dad and an old-fashioned mom, of which I thank God for. It. Yep. Next week, my mom and dad will celebrate, is it 72 years of marriage? I feel very blessed. My mom has a ninth grade education. Had to quit school and start picking cotton, ninth grade, to put food on the table. My dad has a third grade education. Now, don't say this to belittle my dad. I think my dad is a smart man. My dad has more common sense than, wow, yes. Now, my dad's a man of few words. My wife will tell you. I call home to this day. I'll say, if my dad were to answer tonight, this is kind of how it would go. I say, hey, Dad. Hey, where you at? What you doing? I'm in Michigan. Snowed yesterday. Wow! Well, she is here where it's warm. You want to talk to your mom? <laughs> I'm serious. That's it. I, but, but, but Dad, <laughs> here's Mom. I'll get her. <laughs> he just don't talk on the phone. By the way, if you're in person... <laughs> You're about to come to the room. Oh, let me get mom. Mom's a spokesman for that. That's just my dad. And that's not a bad thing. My dad is a great man. I mean, he, he's been in the same church. He ushered in church this past Sunday at 93 years old. And he was a deacon for 40, 41, 42 years. And and I mean, you know, my my mom will soon be 89, I believe it is. And my my wife's parents, they're getting ready to go on their 55th, 56th year marriage. We feel very blessed. But when I grew up, I was always allowed, when we go to church, I had to sit with dad and mom in church. I I didn't need to ask. Mom, dad, y'all sit over here. Can I go way over here and sit? I had an old-fashioned preacher, Al Price. Wow. I'll never forget one Sunday morning, I was sitting on the end of the pew, mom and dad were on the other end, and this was a good day when I didn't get an ear pull, you know, an ear tongue, and I'll never forget, there was two or three teenage girls in the back right over here, they talked the whole service, I knew them, I knew them, they were in our Christian school, and I mean, they cut up, they talked, finally the preacher, I guess he just had enough, he got everybody's attention that day. Oh, girls, hey, right here, whoa, right there. You, and he called her name. Uh, Rose, and you, care uh, and yeah, yeah, right there. Amen. Now, either I can keep preaching, and you can quit talking. Man, I'm sitting over there. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God, I'm sitting with Mom and Dad today. Hallelujah, the Lamb of God, Amen. <laughs> And he said, I tell you what, I don't see that you're going to stop. I want you to stand up, come down front. I want you to sit right here where I can keep better track of you because it looks like you're not anywhere close to where you ought to be with your mom and dad. mom and dad when I went to church they made me set with them they wanted to keep eyes on me they wanted to do what they could do to keep order in the home because they knew the devil was trying to throw targets and so boy we got to be careful about that and so let me go right on here and, and and just show you some things here uh this look down at verse number 27 if you would of, of chapter 18. But Rabshakeh said unto them, Hath my master sent me to thy master and to thee to speak these words? Now look down at verse number 28. Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language. He even went into their language and he spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, not the word of the great God, the king of Assyria. There's verse 29. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you. Boy, what an evil guy. Oh, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, say. You see how the devil tries to turn it around? Where he's like said, he's trying to make you, force you into this God thing. No, folks, God is not that kind of God. He's given every one of us a free will. And he says, I would a whole lot rather you just do it because you want to serve him. Love me. Now we go to chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it, that he ran his clothes. Then we go to chapter 20, in verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. Would you not agree now? Did I do something here, brother? No, just keep, okay, How will she say?
1: Would you not agree?
0: I wonder if his sickness came on. Of all what we just read about. Because I'll be honest, I look at our country today. It makes me sick. I look at our churches and sometimes our homes and our families. And it could easily. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't have to be that way. We should know we ought to look at our homes and hold our heads high and say, by God's grace we're not going to let one of those deceivers try to get into our home and try to change what we've been trying to institute here. You know, it's already a hard enough job just to train them up in the way they ought to go without somebody trying to come in and tear down everything that we do. And, and my, my family and I, we have, we've had sometimes even family members say, why do you go to church so much? Isn't one service enough a week? And you don't go to movies, you don't do this, you don't do that, you won't let him go sleep at somebody else's house. Do you all ever have any fun? <laughs> and, and maybe that's happened to you. And I'm just saying, and, and we're looking around, and, and my kids are looking at me, it's like, what are they talking about? <laughs> Man, we laugh at the Campbell household. That's a rule. You can't live under our roof and not laugh. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I just look in the mirror. I laugh. It's just, you know, I, I mean, you know, my wife says, I, I wouldn't even dare to. I yeah, whistle. I do all kind of crazy things, you know. And uh, My wife says, I could probably be in a circus. But, but you know what? Hey, I, I want a home where we can have fun. And, and we don't have to have fun as what the world claims is fun. Man, I got my eyes on this thing. And I don't want some kids. Of some other country trying to come in and tear down my children and say, You don't need to serve your dad and mom's God. You don't need to do that. You, let, let me show you who's king today. Rock music's king. No, rock music's not king. Oh, this country. I, no, no, no. Man. And so that's when God said, Isaiah, Hezekiah's in is bad shape. Won't you go down and talk to well, praise God for a preacher I'm glad Hezekiah didn't, or I'm glad Isaiah didn't say I don't think I'm cut out for that I don't think I'm the guy for it Isaiah just said okay Lord hey, remember Isaiah said here am I send me who will go Isaiah said I will now we see what he's doing hey and that's what I want it to be so let me quickly give you this here we can all look around today. I think it's a lot of Hezekiah's sickness may have been discouragement. May have been despondency. Just from things he saw and heard. And I hope to just give you some really simple things tonight. And I want to just say these couple thoughts. And I'll give you these three things and i gonna wrap this up. Our world is more wicked today than it's ever been. And we're not getting better. We're getting far worse. And so that just means from where I was a boy growing up and where many of you grew up in an old-fashioned mom and dad home, uh, we're going to have to work double, triple harder than what it was when I was a kid because there's so much more oppression today than there ever has been to try to keep that harmony, to try to keep things in prearranged order. And I I just give you these things here. Uh, There's some things that we need to get in order. Number one, our spirituality. I believe our spiritual lives, every so many months, I give myself a spirituality checkup test. I have to. I I just believe that's what God expects from us. And and I just have to give myself a test every once in a while, and I'm going to give you some things here. There's some nuts and bolts and things that I have done, my wife have done in our home. You don't have to do this, but it's just some things that we have found that'll work. I want to pass it along to you. Hopefully, it'll help you. But we want to create some order spiritually in our home because we're to set our houses in order. And and folks, every uh, man, woman, mom, and dad in this room tonight, uh, uh, you must live life with a continual vision. I mean, I, I want to have vision for my family, where my wife and I want to be in ten years from now, but also where my children are going to be in ten years from now, and and you know, spirituality, because the Bible says in Proverbs twenty nineteen, where there is no vision, the people perish. Right. Put that in the home where there's no home that has vision, that home's going to perish. I mean, where there's no children with any vision of what's right, those children are going to perish. I mean, so we can break it down. So there must be an order. up. Uh, and, and how do we do that? I think we have to have a Bible plan. Folks, we'll never become spiritual without this book right here. I mean, this is the key. Don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many of our children can quote the books of the Bible, but we parents can't. I mean, we ought to know the books of the Bible. And I mean, we, we can make it fun. We used to make it fun in our home. I remember our oldest son Isaac say, "Isaac, all right, I'm gonna time you and see how fast you can do the books of the Bible." And we'd say, "Let's see if you can beat Dad." And I'd say, "All right, you ready?" And I'd say, "All right, Genesis, excellent, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First Samuel, First Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Lamentations, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi." Dad, what did you just say? <laughs> but we made it fun. And, and, uh, folks, we need to know the Bible. We need to know the books of the Bible. We need to have a Bible plan. You say, what's a Bible plan? Uh, uh, How do you read the Bible? How do you study the Bible? We ought to read the Bible. Everybody ought to read the Bible through every year. Amen? I mean, but every year I think you ought to change your plan up because the devil gets used to our plans. And he gets used, so that way he knows how to scheme to try to attack our plans. And I, for years, I did this and didn't even know it. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but I just read the Bible just so I could say at the end of the year, read the Bible, get a certificate, come up from front of the church. We got, we got pray, we got certificate, and I'm not against that. That's great. If you're going to read the Bible, get this book in you. No matter how you do it, just get it in you. But to get it in you, Mom. Get it in you, Dad. Get it in your teenagers. Get it in your children. You've got to have it in the home. Put it up on the walls of your house. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says we ought to do that I mean everywhere it ought to be but have a Bible plan Uh, since we went into this trial my wife and I it has transformed how we read the Bible I never read the Bible through now just to read it through one year I read the Bible and I studied the word affliction I I study the Bible all the time see we are preachers no I mean Christians we're, we're all full time Christians wouldn't you agree? I have no higher position in the family of God than any of you do. We're all full-time Christians. And we ought to know what we're talking about. We, you know, in America will watch a debate by politicians. We expect the politicians, well, that one doesn't know anything about foreign policy. That one doesn't know anything about finances. And we put so much pressure on them. Well, folks, I wonder if somebody turned the table and say about, how about you? You've been in church all your life. What do you know about the first five books of the Bible? You see, there ought to be something. There's got to be an order. There's got to be a plan. We've got to have a Bible plan. And and, and, boy, and then one year, I, I took the word suffering in the Bible. I studied every time the word suffering was mentioned. I use highlighters. My wife used highlighter. I look at it now, and I, I just I get thoughts. And sometimes I might stay three, two, two, three days in one chapter. And then sometimes I might read 10, 12 chapters today but I want this book to be alive to me because this is the only hope I've got. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's quick and it's powerful. It cuts, and I want it to do the job it wants it to do, and we ought to have it. Uh, one year, I did my Bible study and Bible memorization all according to the Bible, and I took verses out of the Bible that have to do with the Bible, and I, we, we memorize them in the beginning. God was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass witheth, the flower falleth, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. And uh, I mean, we just memorize Bible verses that have to do with the Bible. 2 Peter 1, But the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost of God. And, well, we drive that in our kids. And we need to Memorize the word of God. Have a Bible plan. Not only should we have a Bible plan, but we ought to have a prayer plan. Now, I've always spent time in prayer with God. But if something happens when a trial comes in your life, I think we could honestly say, I bet you Hezekiah's prayer life greatly intensified when sickness came. The Bible says it did. And I'm not saying we ought to wait for a trial to come in our life to get us to pray. No, I think we ought to set things in order now. But I'll tell you, when the trial came in my wife and I's life, wow, we had no other recourse but to turn to God in prayer. Lord, I've lost my job. I mean, there's, there's, there's no more paychecks. And I don't know where we're going to go. God, I went to North Carolina at, and to the Social Security office, and I tried to file for Social Security disability. And I got turned down the second time, after the, or, or two times, and then, Lord, I, I went to the Supreme Court of North Carolina with a representative and, and who was going to fight with me. And we went in before the Supreme Court judge. And then the judge denied me those Social Security disability. When I left, I was crushed. I said, but what am I going to do? And they said, well, maybe you ought to go to the welfare office and get down there and stand in line and see what they could do. My wife and I, we got in the car and we drove down to Winston-Salem and we went into the social services offices. And we both stood there and just cried. And I said, two months ago I was pastoring a church. And now we're here. Boy, well, I never dreamed we'd be here. They denied us. And I walked out of there and I remember going home and I remember getting my Bible out. I turned to Philippians 4.19 and I said, God, I didn't write it, you did but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I said, God, I want to serve you more than I've ever wanted to serve you. And I want to do all I can. But I have no idea how I'm going to make my family, how we're going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to work, don't know how I'm going to make it. The way I look at it, you wrote it, your name's at stake. You see, you talk to God that way if you come to him in the right heart. I think he wants us to. I think that's what Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Well, I said there needs to be an order spiritually. There needs to be order in our life financially. There needs to be order in our family. You see, dad, mom's in Deuteronomy. It says if we're not teaching this book to our children, we're failing as parents. I'm talking to me tonight. Married couples. I'll spend some time praying together. Financially, I talked a little bit about, you know, Sunday morning. But I want to skip down here to these last three points, and then I'm, I'm through. Number one, I want you to look at chapter twenty, Second Kings chapter 20, verse number, verse number one. He said, set thine house in order. Let's go back to 19 in verse number 1. Let me give these three thoughts and I'm done. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes and he covered himself with sackcloth. Would you look at that last part of that verse? And went into the house of the Lord. Look at verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. Number one, don't, if you get anything, get this tonight. How are we going to set our houses in order? Folks, we've got to get to the house of God. Now, I'm preaching to all the ones who are here tonight. God bless you for being here. It's evident that you came tonight because you want what this book wants for us. But in one year from now, if the Lord allows me to come back, I would be able to see the same faces sitting here. Pastor Dale should not ever have to say when I say, what ever happened to that family? Oh, Brother Campbell, a great trial of affliction came to their life several months after our meeting. And sad to say they quit church. My wife and I are seeing that all over America. Why is it that when trials and hardships comes in our life that it's God's fault? Why is it that God has to take the blame? Somebody asked me the other day, Brother Campbell, Ms. Campbell, you've traveled the country now four and a half years, and we've not traveled like a lot of people have. But the pastor asked me this question. What do you see in our churches today that's missing? And pastor, I don't know why, but this just quickly came to me. I said, okay, I'll tell you what I see missing. Anybody that's 40 years old and under, that's what's missing. Where are they? You know, it seems like everywhere I go, I'm preaching to the gray hairs. That's a good thing. Hey, they've been doing it most likely all their life, and they have no plans of changing. And everybody that's 60 and older, raise your hand in here tonight. If you've never had a trial, put your hand down. (laughs) Hey, we ought to commend them tonight. They're still here. They didn't quit. They didn't bail out. Praise God. Isn't that great? And we learn from that. Oh, we got to get to the house of God. Hebrews 10.25 says, And so much more as you see the day approaching. Our kids are watching how we handle every trial of life. And wow, we need to keep on keeping on. Number two. Look at chapter 20 and verse number one. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And notice the next line. And the prophet Isaiah showed up. And then we know down in verse number uh, uh, verse number four, and it came to pass before Isaiah was gone out in the middle of the court, the word came to him again. He said, go inside and tell Hezekiah this. I said, number one, we ought to get to the house of God. Number two, we ought to get to the man of God. Thank the Lord for... Pastor Dalton, who was here those many years and preached the Bible faithfully, and boy, what a blessing his family's here. What a blessing that is. And then when, you know, tragedy happened, you know, hate to see somebody go like that, breaks our hearts. But we know God has a plan. And and we don't understand that plan. But then God brought you another man of God, and a good man of God. And, wow, I mean, you all have no trouble just giving him your submission, your allegiance. Why? Because he didn't put himself here. God put him here. And we got to keep in our mind, God's men are placed in God's places by God, not man. And if that be the case, then God has them there for us. Oh, and, and oh, we've got to get to the man of God. And, and, and so, I, I'm just saying, wow, and, and, and. Dads, especially tonight in our homes, you know the Bible says we ought to be the head of the home. We ought to be the head spiritually. We ought to be the head directionally. It ought to be up to us. We are going to the house of God. Preacher started it out. Joshua said, ask for me in my house, we'll serve the Lord. I'm almost hesitant to say this. Because I really don't want to be taken wrong at all. Because I am not about me and I'm not, I, I don't want this to come away prideful. And I don't want to embarrass my wife by this either. But my wife, she's been counseling some people recently and people ask her, how does your husband do it? How in the world is he going through what he's going through? How did he not just turn back and quit, get angry at a doctor, get mad, quit? My wife has no idea. She didn't know I was listening. I wasn't eavesdropping. But I've heard her say several times, you don't live with my husband like I do. He's the best Christian I know. And I don't say that to build me up. That puts a lot of pressure on me. But I don't want to let her down. And my kids have heard her say that. I've heard her say to her, boys, your dad is the wisest man I know. And I'm not bragging on me. Please don't take it that way. But I don't want to disappoint my kids. I think every man in this room that has a wife and kids, you ought to desire that from your wife and your children. And I think we ought to be able to say that about our preacher. I bet when Isaiah came back in and said, Hezekiah, I just heard from God, he said, you're going to be all right. He said, you're going to live, and after all, he's going to give you 15 more years. Can you imagine what happened? I kind of think, wow, you're the best preacher in the world. I got the best man of God. You all know, feel that way. Number three, and I'm done. I don't go and this will be, We all know what happened in verse number 1 of chapter 20. In those days of Hezekiah sickened to death, the prophet Isaiah came unto him. He said, set thine house in order. Look at verse 2. Then he turned his face to the wall and he prayed unto the Lord. We ought to get to the place of prayer. Get to the house of God. Get to the man of God. And get to the place of prayer. Prayer should not be something that we do just when tragedy strikes. Prayer ought to be a lifestyle. Now, this is just something I do, and I told you. My wife, I'm sure, has her. I have a prayer book, a prayer journal. I just, I'm finding out that when I turn 50, I just don't remember as much as I used to. And i got to write it down. And I meet so many people that say, could you pray for me in my trial?" If I don't go in here and quickly write it down, I'm going to forget it. I take this with me. I will go. Wife, you have yours? Could, could you just hold it up there? I figured she'd have it. That, that's my wife's. That's just something we chose to do. I don't, I've no, I don't look at I've, I've never looked at hers. I don't know if she's looked at mine or not. It's just a private thing. It's this is something I take serious. Because to me, I think that's the only way we're going to change things. We've got to get serious about it. Let's stand tonight. Father, I pray you take what we've heard tonight and help us. Lord, I, I feel so convicted myself that I just need to improve in so many areas of my life. And I hope and pray that the people of God would hear from my heart tonight. I just want to see our homes be revived. I think if our homes could get strong, that's what makes our churches strong. That's what's going to make our country strong. Thank you for this great church, great people, great man of God. I know, Lord, if I was in this area, (laughs) I'd be here every time the doors open. Because I know this preacher could teach me some things. Would you help us tonight just to set some things in order? I'm going to ask the instruments to play. Anybody here, if you need to come to the altar, if you feel like there's some things in your life that's not moving.